0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream Podcast. Today on the show, we have Linda hilden and Kobe Misho, who are the owners of Linco Media. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great.
0: Great, yeah. And did I get that right? That pronounce pronounced. It? You, you did, did very yes. well. Yes. yes. Sounds good. I was struggling uh, beforehand, okay. but we like to jump right in. So, if we could start with just hearing a little bit more about each of you and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: All right. Well, I will start. So yeah, as you said, my name is Linda Hildenen. My day job is to be a special education teacher, and then in terms of uh, what I do for fun, I mean, I guess the Linco Media stuff is a lot of what I do for fun. So uh, Colby and I work in my downtime uh, and his downtime, and in reality, we have no downtime. (laughs) But at uh, um, basically doing projects that are. largely about, um, musical theater or, um, you know, art that has its roots in musical theater, whether it actually is theater. So the most recent thing we've put out is a podcast called once in a lifetime, which is a a podcast audio drama in musical form. So there's original songs in it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun doing it. So I, I would say that that is a big part of what I do for fun, because when I'm not here doing this, I'm at home with children and uh, <laughs> having small children very rarely qualifies as fun, just in case you were curious. <laughs> I gotcha,
0: I gotcha.
2: Yeah, we're both, um, we're both from Maine, um, but I... So my day job is I run a small video production company here in Maine. And as far as fun, I don't really have much fun. I don't, mm-hmm. cause not that I don't like fun. I just have a lot of time for fun. Um, but if I did have time for fun, I would, the writing, the music is fun. Uh huh. It is really fun. Sure. Seriously. You <laughs> um, just haven't been doing that much recently. Yeah, We've been in
1: the production stage and the production yeah. stage is less fun.
2: Um, but I think I, I like to mountain bike. That's pretty fun. And I, uh, I think dating is pretty fun. So I'll say that too.
1: So ladies. Yeah. Line up. There we go <laughs>
0: well just curious what made you guys start linco media and uh what made the partnership happen like how'd you guys meet and all that good stuff
1: do you want to take it or should i i
2: mean you i'll take it since you always do
1: okay try it this um, time we'll see how that goes
2: yeah because i'm gonna get it wrong anyways mm-hmm. so you have to fix me um so it was about six years ago
1: okay yes
2: okay almost exactly Yes. In July. Um, and so my, my company, my video company was, um, hired to do a, a very short or a small project for a retirement community,
1: which is where I was working at the time
2: here in Maine in yeah. another town in Maine and Schooner
1: estates. We can give them-
2: Schooner estates. They yes. always love plug. And, um, Linda was their marketing person at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I, I think i was just it was that initial kind of walk through location scout thing and and she was, was the, the tour guide basically to yeah, and guide, yeah. I, one of the things that i picked up on going through this huge property was how many different pianos there were just spread out in different rooms and um there was one in particular that was in this uh it was like a, a great room or like a
1: oh boy I can't remember the name of that room yeah. right now but it's a it was, it's a room where you can see up to the next level it's beautiful yeah yeah
2: yeah it was like a gathering room and mm-hmm. just kind of hang out there with
1: something living room oh it's the yeah
2: but that piano so most of the pianos in the in the property were small upright pianos but this one was this grand you know uh polished black piano and um anything shiny I really I really like is He's really lot, drawn to like a raccoon things. in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I politely, I think politely asked if I was okay to touch the piano Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said touch, not play.
1: You absolutely did say touch the yeah. piano. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, yeah. um, and I was allowed to, mm-hmm. so that was cool. And I started playing and, um you can take it from here
1: <laughs> so he turns to me and he's just like he's just playing and i was like what is this and he's like oh i'm just improvising and i was like what the heck do you mean you're just improvising because it's some of the most beautiful music i've ever heard in my life <laughs> and then he starts to explain to me how he's a composer and he's always wanted to write a musical and he's like you don't for chance dabble in writing at all and i'm like i dabble and he's like lyrics at all and i was like i've done it here and there and uh he's like are you any good and I distinctly remember that I was like, "Well, I'm a woman. I'm not allowed to admit that I'm good." And he just gave me this look on his face, and I was like, "Yes, I'm very good at it." <laughs> and um, and then he wanted me to write lyrics to the thing he was he was creating right there, mm. and I was like, "I I this is a little on the spot for me." And like we came up with a couple of lines, but I took out my phone, and there's this recording from. I still have this recording somewhere from. I think it I think this is the this must have been the first day we met. There's this recording yeah. where he's just playing and um and then my one of my bosses comes in and starts like marveling at it. And I'm like, oh, he's a composer. He wants me to write lyrics for me. You can hear us discussing it in the background. And uh and then I remember I took the recording home, and over the next week, and we continued to have contact because of the project at Schooner. But over the next few weeks, I just I put the 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 recording I had into GarageBand, and I cut it up into sections, and I wrote lyrics over it. And there's this part in this like original recording of me writing lyrics over the thing where you can hear my boss in the background, and he keeps looping because because of the way I had just been working off of this recording we did um and then I remember like working very hard on these lyrics around this musical concept that we had at some point talked about and I sent it to him this was and I this there must have been a month between when I actually like when I actually sat down to write it and send it to you or whatever because I sent it to him and oh you know what it was is you did not respond to me in a timely (laughs) manner at all I think I gave it to you I think I gave it to you maybe a week or two later and you respond like three weeks after that and it was like incredible lyrics, our, our partnership has officially begun. And I remember thinking like, I'm not gonna know this guy for very long, but just <laughs> out of curiosity, I'll just put that into my, my phone. And I was like, remind me in a year that this is the anniversary of our partnership officially beginning. And that was August 8th of whatever, six years ago is now, right? 20, <sighs> do the math, <laughs> 2016? And the and that and lo and behold, that uh that thing comes up in my phone every year and reminds me that our partnership officially began that year. So, uh, I no one expected it to. I mean, I don't know, I it was just this playful little thing, and then it became a lot more. So, sometimes, uh, sometimes things come in unexpected places.
0: There we go, I love that, and I love how you guys. I love the action in the moment and then it has led to like so much like six oh, yeah. years later you guys are still working together so that's amazing yeah I mean
2: some people could call that fate
1: you, you know? could yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like it was meant to be or something
0: hmm. Yeah. Hmm. facts facts <laughs> um, well awesome why don't you tell us a little bit about the motivation behind Linco Media what gets you both up and keeps you going every day
1: you want me to jump in first this time? Yeah, you can go for. So, um I mean, the, the first and foremost thing that gets me up and gets me going every day and for anybody who's listening to this, you, you can you could take or leave my lyrics. You have to hear his music because I feel like that's what gets me going every day. Um there you know, it's a little uh it's a little sappy, but the thing for me that's very motivating is that um I was very smart, I was very capable. he was very smart, and he was very capable, but neither one of us really managed to steer the boat where it needed to go until we met and um it felt it felt very kismet, it felt very um, i don't know like his music is something I understand on a level that I haven't understood anybody else's music before, and i'm able to I'm able to to work with it in a way that I haven't been able to work with anything else before in terms of writing stories around it and creating the, creating the lyrics for it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've said before, but it's so important is that like, I have worked with other as a lyricist and a writer, I've worked, I've had other working relationships, but one thing that I think is so important in any working relationship is that you have to respect the other person enough to not try to change with you have to, you have to believe in what they're doing so that you don't try to supersede it. So I have a, I have a little musical partnership with my husband sometimes that we occasionally do stuff. And I was like, okay, I want you to write a riff to these lyrics or whatever. And he will, and then I will change it because he's just like, he, I, I just, I love him, but I think I'm the better artist. Like I really just come to it with like a great deal of like confidence that I'm the one who knows the way this should be done. Um, and so I just, having the respect for your creative partner to the fact that you want to preserve what they've done and build on it. And sometimes we have to make changes for each other. But I think the reason it's easier for us to make changes for each other is because of the respect we have yeah. for each other. And so, um, so I mean, the motivation, I mean, you can you can work all your life trying to to make something, make your dreams come true, and never get there. And then suddenly something shifts and something works. And that is the reason to get up in the morning. And it's, it's, it's absolutely the most motivating thing in the world for me. And I've never known motivation before like this. And that's why the stars have aligned <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah, I love that. What motivates you?
0: I know, it's um, tough, tough to follow coffee yeah just coffee yeah
2: yeah yeah uh the uh the dread or extension existential Existential dread dread that (laughs) if you don't finish this episode by a certain time then yeah
1: oh yeah we were both very motivated by deadlines we need
2: deadlines yeah yeah.
1: we've certainly discovered in this process in the
2: micro um say what that's the micro answer to that. The micro
1: answer. Yeah. No, but we've certainly discovered in this process that we need to find a better way. Like, this is a conversation you and I are going to have to have about how we need, I think we need miniature deadlines before the deadline because when we're working to the deadline, we need soft openings. But uh, yeah. yeah, motivation, deadlines are very motivating for us.
0: Oh, yeah. Great accountability and work expands to the time that you give it, right? So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Luckily, we're both pretty good at working under pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess you could say that We're 80% of my work is done under pressure. Oh, yeah. So uh 80% might mis- be
1: that might you might be undercutting. I might a be a little, little bit. less yeah.
2: and yeah.
1: Yeah, it might
2: be 90%. But I uh at least in the, in that kind of case. But um so on a the macro, the, you know, the, the motivation for me is that I've so I've been a musician since eighth grade, actually started in texas in uh in high school drum line um, and that was really eye opening and, and really fun and um you know there's just, there's a culture when you're in in a school band that's really fun and you make all these cool friends and and so because my dad was in the military and we had to move around all the time, um, I was only in that particular band for like for a year. And then we had to move to New Jersey, which for whatever reason, I don't have any recollection of. Um, it was a traumatic experience. Apparently. Yeah, well, let's get into uh, that right now. And then it was a short time. And then um, my dad retired, we came to Maine. And um, so I did high school and college in Maine. And through those years, I was in jazz band, concert band, pep band, marching band, as many bands as I could be in, basically. But I only played percussion or drums but in high school my teacher John Neal was my music teacher was um, a really gifted pianist and so he started teaching me you know informally teaching me the fundamentals of playing piano and that just kind of stuck with me and then um, my cousin Allie she gave me her old keyboard because she wasn't playing it anymore and then I was so I had something to play at home to practice and just evolved from there and it was actually early on once I figured out that like how to use my fingers on these on the keyboard that if I played a certain sequence in a certain order of notes that it could create something completely new and different and um, so I started composing things back when I was still like probably a junior in high school when I first started
1: didn't you win an award I did yeah <laughs> I don't remember what it was but maybe like it wasn't the it wasn't the best title you've ever come up with. Sad in
2: sad sad and rage. rage. Yes I, it was a, right. a solo piano piece that um, I, I was in I guess it was my junior year of high school and my piano teacher thought it was good enough to submit to um, a local competition here and uh, it came in third place actually and um, so I was like well that's pretty cool and then it was terrifying because I had to go there and perform, which was awful. Yeah. But um, ever since that point, I just uh, I've really liked the idea of being able to translate uh, feelings into music. And m- my teacher told me that music is what feelings sound like. And I've really taken that to heart. And I hope that's reflected in in the more contemporary stuff that I'm doing musically. But this is a very long (laughs) answer to your question about motivation. (laughs) One of my biggest dreams is that someday I will be able to be on a stage in a concert hall or like a scoring stage with a full live orchestra, hearing my own music played back by 70 or 80 different people at the same time. That would be, I've, I've made it at that point, Mm. you know? So the motivation is to, um, to put out as good work as I can with the resources I have today. um, Just to continuously try to get better and improve and learn the craft.
0: Gotcha. Well, that is a great segue into the next section of the podcast. (laughs) Next one, good. About dreams and goals. (laughs) So so Kobe, we we know that you want to be on a stage with a live orchestra. You said hearing your music played back. So is that like, is that like the live orchestra is just playing your music? Are you playing with them? Like what's, what's going on? There? Oh,
2: I, I could be standing next to them or in the audience. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily, I want to have that moment where I would love to play with them, but I would um, also just like to, to take it in, mm. you know, just like experience it. And I, I particularly, cause I hear the music all the time, obviously, because, you know, I'm the one who records it and mixes it. I use virtual instruments, but um there's something different about having real humans perform it and you know other artists every, you know the cool thing about an orchestra is that or a, a band is that there are several different artists all contributing to the same mission at the same time and everybody has a different part to play but when you combine them it creates something um magical hopefully yeah and holistic um and it means something so I, I, it would just be really, it'd just be really cool. I don't, I don't know how to explain it otherwise. But.
0: I think I think I got it. I love it. Yeah. Well, awesome, Kobe. Are there any other dreams you want to chat about, or are we going to Linda next for
1: dreams and goals? you can go to Linda. Oh, do I dream some goals? <laughs> yeah, wow. okay. I think so. Yeah. Think about that. um No, we 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 talked about this before, um Kobe and I. And I think for me, you know, it really is. I think I would really love to see something that we wrote on a Broadway stage or mm. possibly in a uh in a film or something but I mean there are the the accolades and the the financial benefits that come from that but at the end of the day I think both of us have this really strong desire to communicate um particularly emotional truths um and I think that we are able to get them together in a in this this way that really matters. Um, as he said, you know, he said that music is the way feeling sound, and I've heard him say that before. Um, and ha- working with that, um, putting the putting words to that, building stories around that creates this sort of deep, relatable truth that anybody who loves musical theater can, you know can relate to how how it draws you in and it's um God I don't know exactly who said it but Aaron Sorkin quotes it and I'm gonna misquote it but the idea that the general uh, that the, the sort of this universal truth is found in the deeply specific um and so that um you know when you hear pop songs that are catchy because they they generalize like I am sad I am happy or whatever yeah they they sort of have this lowest common denominator appeal, and don't get me wrong, phenomenal pop songs like that are that are very good for uniting people. But there's something about the specificity of going in and hearing the story in musical theater um, that brings you so specifically into the character, and then from that you can draw out your own deeper truths. Um, and so, I think a really big goal of mine. I, there are things that I have to say. I like to put some of my ideals into every single thing we write. Like so, Colby will tell you every single time we've gone into a project, like I'm like, okay, but are we doing, are we saying enough about the world? Is this, is this uh, are we being idealistic enough? Are we making a strong enough point? And does it, does what we're saying matter enough? And so I think the idea of being able to uh, send that messaging to a wider audience, whether it be a Broadway audience or a movie audience or something one day. that's the dream right right
0: there yeah yeah i love it so just to make sure i didn't miss anything putting your Mm -hmm. ideals into every single thing that you write and getting that to a wider audience either on a broadway stage or a film Mm
1: -hmm. yeah or you know
0: both (laughs) (laughs) i think
2: for me it's like it's really the appeal for this particular kind of work is the collaboration aspect Mm -hmm. [3] and um you know, I, a lot of, a lot of what my life has been is solitary kind of work where, cause in, in terms of, I've edited a lot of videos in my day and, uh, you know, when you're shooting something, yeah, you're on set with people, but that's just a small sliver of the amount of work that goes into making a video. Most of that happens after in, in the edit. And that's, that's usually by yourself. And, um, so I kind of got used to that and realized that I needed something else that was that uh, was collaborative and had a team approach and then music you know combine that with music and that's musical theater basically. you gone
1: out into a totally different direction though.
2: I know I, I know. about our
1: dreams and you're just like collaboration. <laughs> yeah
0: well that the, how is that? The, that's,
1: the, the man is running a podcast about dreams. I'm, I'm
0: sorry I'm sorry. Yeah Oh, good. good. Maybe Kobe has a dream of collaboration. We could put that down.
1: That's exactly I do. Right. I do. Yeah. That's you know, a if, dream of coming I, together as well. I was hours. going off of
2: your thing about having it on Broadway and, like, oh my gosh, how many how many people would be involved in that?
1: Uh, as an crazy. introvert, that's the hard part. I'm not like, I'm not an introvert. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I very much am, which yeah. you would 100% get reversed every single time we get interviewed, just for the record. Yeah. 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 But
0: yeah. that's, that's facts. You yeah. would. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: No, I, she likes
2: to do the talking. I, sure.
1: I'm good at the talking. If you were good at it, I'd let you do more of it. Sure. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> I love the banter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, if there were one or two people that you guys can meet, and this could be a specific person <laughs> or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards Toby getting on that stage, Linda getting into that Broadway stage or that film. Who would this person be, and how would they help you?
1: So I've been thinking about this, and I have this very. Um, I'm sorry, I, I want to be succinct, but um, up until recently, there was this understanding among uh, young composers in musical theater that uh, one of the one of the most generous uh, and uh, and receptive mentors mm-hmm. to young uh, musical theater people was Stephen Sondheim. Like he had a there was this he had this real um generosity to his spirit when it came to giving feedback and giving giving motivation to young composers or whatever and so um he died while we were making our current musical and I remember it was a very very hard day for me because I was just thinking gosh I will never um he'll I'll never have a chance to send him a letter and ask him to listen to it and maybe he would Mm. send one back. And so uh, that was, and, and I think just hearing it from somebody like him would be sort of the step that I need to uh, just keep going. And I mean, obviously, you know, you know, there's a dream world where you meet somebody like him, and he likes it, and 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 sends it to somebody who, you know, the recognition. Helps you. But more than that, it's just like I, you can't understand at this stage. We've been working, you know, this is our first publicly available project. We've been working on it for two years, and we were so weary when we started to begin to get comments from people about how much they liked it because we finally put it out. And that is so important at this stage when you've been just going and going and going in a vacuum and have no idea anymore if it's good or bad because you're blinded to it. So having that kind of, uh, having somebody give you that kind of feedback and if it were coming from one of your heroes, that would be amazing. (laughs) So I think if we go to living people, I think the person who has sort of taken up that mantle in a kind of way for me is Lin-Manuel Miranda who did have a similar, relationship with uh Sondheim um and he recently put out this movie Tick Tick, Boom which was about uh, he was he um directed the movie Tick Tick Boom which was a musical originally written by Jonathan Larson and it's about how Jonathan Larson on his way to making Rent uh had made this other musical that failed but the the one thing that he really got out of it was that Stephen Sondheim told him that he did a wonderful job and he should keep going and that was the thing that drove him through writing tick tick boom and then mm-hmm. drove him to writing rent and so i one of my dreams i've been which waiting
2: revolutionized the.
1: which revolutionized broadway and changed yeah. everything from then on um but uh one of the things that i've been waiting to do until i can figure out exactly what i want to say is to sit down and write a fan letter to um when Lin- lin-manuel miranda <laughs> and ask him like hey this is what you've meant to me and this is This is you like Colby and I, one of the first things he said to me that first day was you have to listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. And then we bonded like crazy over that. Um, And I I want to write him this long letter about, uh, gosh, this is a longer answer than I meant for it to be. A long letter that explains how important he's been to our evolutionist artists and our evolutionist friends and just beg him to listen to maybe one episode and just hope that he likes it. Cause if he could hear one of our songs. Yeah. That would be. That's you know, it's it's Broadway stage, Lin Manuel Miranda hearing one of our songs. You know, like that's <laughs> it's they're not they're not far apart in terms of dreams. So I think it right. would be I think it would be him if I could meet him. I think just the just the uh, that that help of hearing his feedback would be amazing. And if he wanted to also tweet about the podcast, I'd be fine with <laughs> that. Like I would be. Like, yeah. Yeah. That Who would could be... you meet?
2: So I would, I would, yeah, obviously love to meet Lin-Manuel Miranda as well. But, uh, John Williams, the composer, the American composer, film composer. Um, he's he's getting up there, but um,
1: he's he hundred didn't he?
2: No, I don't think he's, he's not hundred. Okay, yet. he's in his nineties. Um, but are you?
1: I know that it was his birthday. He just very had a recently birthday, and okay. I texted you, and I think it must have been ninety-five. It was something round.
2: Okay. So um, yeah, I I grew up listening to um, to John Williams' music before I even knew that I wanted to write music. As um, did
1: everyone, frankly. Well, yeah, because
2: yeah. I mean, in that in that generation, at
1: mm-hmm. least. No, I mean every generation. So it's Star Wars, you know, like if it's, it's well, I mean, like,
2: yeah, but yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the generation like millennials, and that, it's not as it's not as anyway. uh, so, <laughs>
0: John Williams.
2: <laughs> anyway, my one of my favorite, uh, my mom's favorite. Movie series was Indiana Jones, and he famously did that. Did that too, and and she loved Star Wars too. So like, just ever since I was a little kid, I was I heard his music, and his music is so narrative, and it's you can hear the story without seeing it, and you understand what's going on. You you hear the the emotions of the characters. It's it's amazing. But um, so I would love to just have a conversation with that guy, and um something that might be more uh practical though i think would be meeting a film director like jennifer lee so jennifer if you're listening would love to meet you um she directed the did she do both frozen frozen both frozen movies well she
1: i mean she's the whole head of disney animation right now so she has her hand in almost all of them yeah. yeah yeah
2: so she wrote and directed frozen frozen 2
1: yeah yeah, well I mean, she had a she had co a partner co-wrote,
2: Andrew, co-wrote. and
1: i love you know one thing i love about jennifer Lee is that i don't remember the i for the life of me i don't know the name of her creative partner but it's another it's a male creative partner and you yeah. really don't see female like female male creative like Chris, partnerships in non-romantic relationships that often so it's really yeah it's, it's great to see so yeah yeah so yeah. Jennifer Lee and guy whose name I can't remember <laughs> as much as I respect you for working for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His son's name was a writer. I, yeah, I, that's
0: right. Yeah. yeah. I don't Here know. There we so, go. Well, I will say Zoom is kicking us on our seven minutes right now. Okay. <laughs> we so, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to jump I, I want to jump yeah. to two more questions. Uh, what is one action step that you guys can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet? Lin Manuel Miranda, John Williams, or Jennifer Lee, or all three.
2: We'll continue to spam them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not It hasn't, hasn't gonna, been working. I'm gonna write okay. a fan
1: letter. <laughs> I'm not. I haven't spammed anybody. I've okay. I've spammed a lot of people, but I haven't spammed anybody I respect because I want to take the time <laughs> to write the real, genuine thing. But yeah, no, I actually am gonna sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna go through drafts as Lynn manuel would to write this letter just to just to, maybe we meet maybe we don't but I I want to be on his radar and I know for a fact that he makes it a priority to answer every one of his fan letters so mm-hmm. he'll read it uh whether or not he'll scan the yeah. little link I send him and listen to the podcast <laughs> that's another thing but uh so that's my actionable step I have to sit down soon and put put pen to paper
2: we should we should do a version of that where like your QR code but it's like specific for him and it's going to be welcome Lynn yeah hey Lynn thanks for listening to us I
1: mean honestly you're not wrong because then we would know whether he did or not yeah anyways Uh, uh... okay
2: so for me um to me to be able to meet John Williams I think that's gonna be very difficult but the next logical step is to if he ever has another live performance um to go see go to that concert that he's performing at and um he does I think he resides in Massachusetts because he's done a lot with Boston pops? And you
1: should like move to Massachusetts, maybe I should. Yeah, yeah,
0: could you just show up at his house?
2: Um, maybe, I think, no, yeah. I think
1: what you should do is you should move to the exact city where John Williams lives.
2: Okay, I think it's a That's very small rural town, actual, like I think he's like purposely getting time. away from everybody. Let's
1: get you to that town,
0: yeah. <laughs> I feel like, especially as famous people get older, I feel like they're easier to oh, yeah, if... contact with.
2: I feel like he gets driven around when he ever Like maybe I could become a chauffeur, and oh, then
1: you could be John Williams chauffeur. I could be driving Mister Williams.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Mister Williams. By this the way, next week podcast. Yeah, but... <laughs> let's
1: do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. All right. That's the plan. Okay. Cool.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm writing it down. So now you got to do it. <laughs> you got to do
1: it then. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you guys.
1: We have one last answer.
0: So you know how there are people on the planet who have that really fixed mindset, they're not willing to accept help, they're not willing to accept change, sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. and Sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Other times they end up making the switch in their life to that growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In y'all's opinion, in the next three minutes, what is the catalyst that causes that switch?
1: I think a lot of times it's got to be something it's I think sometimes it's got to be something sort of traumatic or
2: devastating devastating yeah Yeah, I think a, a lot of adversity yeah
1: yeah you know I think we didn't really talk much about our motivation in terms of pain but a lot of our motivation comes from very deep wells of pain you can't tell by the smile on my face but I assure you that's the accurate truth so I think a lot of times it's just I mean you have to get to your lowest part before you can start climbing up sometimes
2: yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that.
1: Yeah. To put it quickly. Yeah. You know, I think you have to be pushed to a limit.
0: Mm-hmm. Rock bottom.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that's so how do you, you know, we both, and I think most people have been to rock bottom, quote unquote, but how do we know where the bottom actually is?
0: And rock. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Why do some people hit what is seemingly rock bottom and stay there?
1: Well, I mean, that's about resilience, mm. right? That's about... That's Maybe
2: about- it's not the bottom then.
1: Well, and in it's some bottom. places though, I think, you know, if you want the, the <laughs> special education teacher answer, it's about a, an internal locus of control. So there's this concept that you either have an internal locus of control or an external locus of control, which means you either believe that you are Um, that you have the ability to control everything and you have the ability to uh, shape the life you want, or you believe that you are the victim of circumstances. And it's actually a, a spectrum. And to be fair, I, I'm pretty much in the middle of that spectrum. Like I believe that circumstances are very important. And, um, I also believe that being able to overcome those circumstances is very important, but having an internal locus of control, we, we know that if we can raise our children to have an internal locus of control, to believe that they can determine their own, uh, their own futures, they, even if we don't, even if I, like I, I might have a little bit more of an external locus of control than the next person, but I teach my children to have an internal locus control. I teach my students to have an internal locus control. Cause even if I don't believe it, I know if I can make them believe it, I will have, they will have better outcomes than if they didn't. And so I believe I think that when you're talking about somebody hitting rock bottom and staying there, that comes from having a very external locus of control, having no sense that you are able to control your the circumstances of your life and that you're a victim of them and being able to climb out is having at least a slightly internal locus of control feeling like you have the ability to overcome the things that have happened to you. Mm-hmm.
0: That might be the like best answer to that follow-up question that I've got <laughs> on the show.
1: <laughs> I'm going <at> <laughs> awesome. to be talking. Awesome.
0: Well, before Zoom cuts us off. <laughs> thank you guys for coming on the show.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank it's you. been a real pleasure.
0: Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what they had to say, you loved mm-hmm. what they're about, go listen to their music. The podcast will be in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, w- if... oops, go to once in a lifetime podcast.com once in a lifetime
0: <laughs> There we go. If you happen to know Lynn, John, or Jennifer, <laughs> make sure yeah. to connect all of us to them. And on that note, send this podcast to one to three people, you know, need to hear this message.